right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. That. You don't got time to say. All right? Let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. It's going to be a fun show. Hey. Whoa, bro. You didn't even give me a chance to get in and say, You were hey. taking too long. I didn't even take any longer than I normally take. Find your spot. What do you mean? <laughs> what what, what does that even mean? I can only do so much. I can only deliver the even, football. You didn't I can't even make wait. you catch it. You didn't even I can't wait. duct tape the no, ball no, no, no. in your hands. This was like, a, this was like I, you know, the route was a go route, and you just threw it immediately. When you just expected yeah, to be ready for Yeah, the coverage was set up that way. That's how we were going to score a touchdown. You got to be ready at all times. You act um, like I'm going to break a tackle in the open field. I have no chance. Oh, we're going to be joined by Tim Scarborough, who uh, is an analyst. He, he was the color analyst for the uh, Mastery TBT game on Wednesday night. He does work for the TBT. He does work for ESPN, Stadium, HBCU, Go TV. So he's going to join the show at 340 here. We have a football draft. I'm looking forward to this one at the 4 o'clock hour. Mario Kart characters. All right, so one thing I want to clarify is yes. I think we should say specifically from the newest edition of Mario Kart. I think just any Mario Kart. What? Any I Mario know, Kart. I don't remember all the characters from every Mario Kart. Well, so what? That's they part have of the game. Ones. That's so part of the game, of course. 20 iterations. Because people have played different versions of it. If you want to go with the newest one, that's fine. Like, if you want to take Link or something, like, that's fine. Do your thing. Um, so we'll get there. We'll get there when we get there. Uh, sports stock market coming up later in the show. we got a KU Football Friday coming up in the 5 o'clock hour as well. And speaking of KU Football, guess what? Today marks that? What? six weeks out. From the first KU football game. Let's go. But also, damn, six weeks? Yeah. Kansas, Missouri State. I mean, which sounds longer or which sounds shorter, longer, whatever you want to put it? Um, Six weeks or a month and a half? Ooh, that's a good question. I kind of think six weeks sounds better than a month and a half. Month and a half sounds brutal. I kind of think a month month and and a half half sounds shorter to me. Dude, what? A month and a half? That's like so long. Okay. Whereas six weeks, that's only, you know, that's not that long. Okay. Well, uh, you'll be able to hear that game right here on the radio station. So being six weeks out from the first KU football game of the year, we're going to go through some uh, number sixes and what they represented. I guess the first one is the most notable when I think of this Kansas team in the number six. It is Jalen Daniels. Oh, Oh. well, yeah. Okay. That's cool, too. Wow. Wow. Um, <laughs> thanks for just ruining that. No, Jalen Daniels. He wears the number six. If you want to add to it, Taiwan Berryhill also wears the number six. Very good jersey number for Dude, uh, KU football. Six wins. It's the first time they had six wins. No, since that's the fine. French and Indian War. That's fine, but they're they're trying to win more than six this year. Well, yeah, but the numbers. I thought, and you know who's going to try to do the that? The whole process number been... six because he's going to okay. throw a bunch of no, 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 no. touchdowns with the worst six points. When we've points. been doing this segment over the past couple weeks, you've always done it to where the numbers from the last season, six wins. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's I, the most notable. Okay, that's fine. Um, Jalen Daniels, Taiwan Berryhill, both wear number six. Very different 
players. They play different positions, but very different expectations for both guys as well. In the case of Jalen, preseason offensive player of the year in the Big 12. In the case of Taiwan Berryhill, it's a returning starter at linebacker who I guess sort of is in competition to be a, a returning starting linebacker, right? I mean, if you think about it, basically yeah. there's two linebacker spots. Craig Young is the Hawk position, which is kind of a different thing. Uh, with Rich Miller, Taiwan Berryhill, and J.B. Brown, yeah, Brown, I feel like Rich Miller's going to be a starter. He's one of the oh, like, yeah. captains, leaders of the defense. Oh, yeah. So then it basically becomes Taiwan Berryhill versus J.B. Brown. Yeah, and I I mean, I, I think, think it's going to be, be a Taiwan situation where they— At least to start. It's like a 60-40, 45-55 type thing. In terms of snap counts, yeah, as the season progresses, I, early in the year, you'd figure it would be more Barry Hill. He's the more experienced player. He's been in the system, but JB Brown had the had the luxury of being able to come in in the spring, and so maybe that helped him move along quicker, right? Because remember, with like a guy like Lorenzo McCaskill who came in last season, he didn't he didn't get here till the summer, and because of that, his growth was delayed. Mm-hmm. And he didn't play as much early in the year as much as maybe we thought he might early in the year. JB Brown's been here though, so maybe that gives him an advantage because like, like Craig Young was in a similar situation. Craig Young was yeah. here earlier last year, and he ultimately became you know one of your yeah. leading players yeah. in terms of snaps and tackles and everything else. You could say that oh Eric Gilliard though did that too, and he didn't crack the rotation. But I think Eric Gilliard was dealing with some injury stuff that uh, you know yeah. was throughout the season. Um, that was almost made it like damaged goods when you picked him up to a certain level from the wear and tear that he's taken over the course of his career. Which, but, where did he transfer to? I don't remember where he transferred to. Obviously, he transferred from from UCF. UCF, and yeah. And then he left to go uh, Connecticut. Oh, yeah, future Big right. Twelve, possibly, maybe. So, I mean, with with Barry Hill, I feel like he will be the starter though, right off the bat. Oh, he's yeah. the guy you trust and. Knows yeah. the scheme even a little bit more than J.B. Brown. I agree with that. J.B. Brown last year, though, at Bowling Green, he had a better pro football focus grade than any of the KU linebackers, though. And that is different. It's doing that great against the MAC as opposed to the Big 12. So there is that adjustment. But everything we've heard from players, coaches, and, and stuff through spring ball and offseason is that this guy will come up and thump you, that he is a really good linebacker. So it would not shock me if eventually J.B. Brown became a starter in the lineup, but I'd imagine right off the bat it's Taiwan Berryhill. Now, to the same point in time, Taiwan Berryhill improved a ton from, you know, 2021 to 2022. So if he takes another equal step forward, then oh, all of yeah. a sudden you have something really yeah. impactful there. With Jalen, I don't know what more else I, I need to say here in regards to him. We know he's just he's really he's good. Really and good. Yeah. One more note on the linebacker yeah. thing. You might be is it too crazy to say that this is like the best linebacker core KU's had in the last half dozen years I mean you have a guy in Rich Miller who is a a veteran returning captain leader of your team Tywin Hill, a guy who as you said has improved over time Craig Young who I guess we're going to throw in there I don't know what, what else do you want to do with him yeah yeah I mean I guess you throw him in there Craig Young plus a transfer in J.B. Brown that you think has a chance to have a pretty big impact that's a rotation of four linebackers that's probably the best that KU has had over right. the last Five, six years. Yeah, you go back to like 2018. That was Joe Deneen when he was really good. You had what? Keith Loniker Jr. was a part of that linebacker core. Okay. So um, the last I can't five remember years. what position at that point Kyron Johnson was playing because at one point he was safety, <laughs> one point linebacker, one point defensive end. Um, let's see. So I, I don't know. That one probably had the best linebacker of the bunch with Joe Deneen, but also, yeah. I don't know. I might take like Rich Miller, Craig Young, and, you know, Tywan Berryhill over maybe the number two of that team. 2019. On the defensive side of the ball, at linebacker, you had 
Oh man, that was kind of bare. Gavin Potter. Yeah, I was about to say well, that, that was, was okay. That was, if you remember Drew Prox, he was really good, Prox, but he, just but he kept getting hurt. injured. Yeah, so I mean, if no, you're getting he was, a healthy Drew Prox, Drew Prox was the guy that it was like you. That was one of the players where you just you really felt bad because he could have been a Joe Janine, mm-hmm. a Ben Heaney level linebacker. And he just was kept getting hurt. Healthy. So yeah, I think you probably go at least back to 2018. That that so this last, is the best since then. The now that's not years. saying much because no, over the last five years you probably had the worst linebacker core In compared to other Big 12 teams. Yeah, every yes. year. But so this year, if your linebacker core is like, can you be eighth? Eighth best. I guess there's 14 teams now. So, can you be eleventh? So tenth best. Right. Yeah. That would be and an improvement. That would be that good. That would be pretty good. I would think. Yeah, especially when you look at the way they're recruiting linebacker. You have Logan Brantley coming in this year, a couple guys that are joining next year that you think can kind of raise the ceiling of that position. But that is very interesting to me, that that kind of position battle at the linebacker. Okay, let's go to yours. Six represents uh, the amount of wins KU had last wins. season. Yes. Six represents the amount of wins it takes to get to bowl eligibility. Yes. Six represents, depending where you get the line, basically the over-under of KU football wins. I've seen yep. some places at five and a half, some places at six, some at six and a half. Either way, right in that range. So pretty close to what you need. Yes. To get to a bowl. Yeah. Six wins. Yeah. No, I mean, listen, you start five and zero. Obviously, you're riding high. It's mm-hmm. great, fantastic. Life is good. Lose, I have a very easy way to to summarize a way to get to six wins that makes it sound easier than it's actually going to be. Like, what do you mean? Okay. So uh, we've talked before that if I mean, yeah, all you have to KU do is hasn't go- won multiple Big Twelve road games since. 2007, yep. Orange Bowl season. Now, to be fair, Lance Leipold and KU, it is clear that they have done leaps and bounds better on the road than past regimes, right? Overall, yes. They won a, a Big 12 game on the road each of the last years. Technically, Houston would have made it for two last year, but they weren't in the Big 12 yet. And on top of that, think of all the other road games that they've actually been in competitive in. Oh, yeah. With Lance Leipold, right? West Virginia in 2021. So it wouldn't be crazy if you said they could oh, get yeah. to two this year. It wouldn't. Yeah. But... The safe bet, especially since you only play four road games as opposed to the five, let's just say one and three, right? So you get one win. You're one and three now just from your Big 12 road games. Yes. You beat Missouri State and Nevada. Now you're three and three, yes. right? Um, and then between your five home conference games you just have to win and three. Illinois, you just got to go three and three. You have to win three. Which sounds very doable to me. Yes. Couldn't agree more. And that's six wins. Wow, boom, there you go. Look Doesn't at that sound a lot easier than Dude, when you actually like go through the schedule and you're like, win-loss, win-loss? So easy. Right? Like, e- piece of cake. The easiest schedule of all time. So Simplified easy. it. I couldn't think of anything easier. Except Lance for, except have for, me in for a motivational on, speech. I can't think like, of, you, can, you can get it. All you got to do is do I, this. I can't think of one thing easier. <laughs> Georgia's schedule. <laughs> that's one thing that's easier than what we just described. Would no, you feel dude, better if we, we were would, playing dude, Georgia's schedule? We would be great as motivational speakers for KU football. Get in there. Dude, get fired up. I feel we like we would it. get distracted in what we were supposed to be talking about. Probably. And they'd be like, I mean, what, what was the purpose We of would this? probably get off topic at least a couple times, I would think. Do you want to run through uh, Georgia's football schedule I'd love and to hear see Georgia's what KU schedule. would go in it? Yes. I don't know. Just so for, for, reference, fun of it. for reference, for those that maybe aren't aware, at SEC Media Days, somebody asked Kirby Smart about his schedules. His schedule. Georgia's schedule. And he said, quote, come play it. To which I respond, yes, please. Let us play it. I want to play that schedule. Yes. Because mm-hmm. read off, read, read it off, read off. Okay. Um, so week one, they are playing the ever-dangerous UT Martin. <laughs> they're actually a, a fringe top 20. I mean, they're a better FCS team than Missouri okay. State. Are you taking Kansas at that point? Well, yes, obviously. But they're a better FCS team than Missouri State. All right, so week two, Kansas is playing Illinois, correct? Yeah. 
Georgia's playing Ball State. Okay. I'd rather play Ball State. Ball State. All right, 2 0. Um, then we got South Carolina home game for Georgia. Probably one that South Carolina would be favored. Like if they're playing Kansas. Kansas. Yeah. At Kansas? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, probably. We'll say two and one. UAB. W. Kansas. Okay. Three and one. Uh at Auburn. Auburn's bad. Coin flip game. <laughs> um, and then we got, let's see, Kentucky at home and then at Vanderbilt. You could go one and one in those games. Okay. And then uh Florida on neutral site, Missouri at home. You would beat Missouri, I think. Okay. You lose to Florida. Maybe, maybe probably lose uh, Florida. Ole Miss at home at Tennessee. Probably losing both. And then Georgia Tech. Beating Georgia Tech. You could beat Georgia Tech. You're probably I lost count of how five, many, six wins. I lost count of how many Georgia wins schedule. That's gonna be. Which that's what Georgia's playing, who's supposed to go twelve and zero. Anyway, um, yeah. I think they can get to six wins. I really do. Yeah. And I continue to believe that they're gonna push even past that. But I think the path to getting to at least six is a lot more clear when you but, base it that way. Yeah, well, and listen, I, well, I'm sure we'll get more into this as we get closer to the season. But for me personally, if you go to another bowl, that's a successful season for me. I oh, yeah. Care. I don't care. If it's six and six, I don't care if it's six and six or eight and four. It's the same to me. It's all the same. I think in, in the way of putting it that way, if you win four or five games and you had some one-score losses, it's going to be one of those seasons where you're like, you're gonna you're feel a little disappointed, but, but I don't think it'll be like no, it's not going to be like falling, exactly. This sucks. Like this is terrible. It's going to be like okay, we took a step back. Progress isn't always linear, but we still like the way the program is going. And for if this is we're viewing this four or five win year as a down year, that's that's so much better than where we've been, right? Yes. Um, if you win three, two, or one or zero it's games bad. at that point, it's, it's like it's, it's, it's like it's you're freaking out. Yes. Six Fair wins, right. you're happy with it. Seven wins, you're really happy with it. See, it's all the same. Eight wins is ecstatic. It's all the same to me. It's all the same to you? It's all the same to me. Okay. Once you get to six wins, it's all the same. Where is the cutoff then? Like nine? Nine, Okay. And it changes for you? Yeah, unless you get to like nine slash title, Big 12 title contention. Then it changes. Um, But to me, six is the same as seven. Seven is the same as eight. Still going to a bowl. I don't care where the bowl is, who the bowl is against, what bowl it is. I don't care. Okay. Uh, six also represents the amount of missed field goals you had. That's that's sad. Yeah. That's pretty sad, actually. I mean, that's, you know. That's one every two games. And I think all of them happened in the non-con? Or, I'm sorry, in conference play? Um, Did they miss one against Houston? or I don't think they missed one. I don't think they missed one against Houston. The, the reason I say that is because it, like, missing six field goals, it is a good amount. But when you when you think about it, you're like, oh, six one field goals over games. twelve games. That's not that that's big of a not deal, right? Terrible. But then if they're all in conference games, which are the important games and the closer games, yeah, because that's ba- that's closer to being one a game. Exactly. Because then it's six every nine. It's a six problem. out of nine instead of yeah. twelve. Do you think they have things shored up there? Do you feel confident in Seth Keller, Owen P? Who I the feel kicker? confident that they will miss less than six. So when we do this exercise again next year and we get to six weeks, we won't have to sit here and say, oh, they missed six field goals. Okay. It'll be like, what if we get to like three weeks or four weeks? Yeah, I feel a lot Oh, they missed three field goals last season. They missed four field goals last season. I feel pretty good they'll miss less than six. Yeah. Because Seth Keller seems like a pretty solid kicker, I think, from an accuracy standpoint. I don't know what his range is. Because was it Seth Keller that barely made like a 40-yarder? At the spring showcase? No, that was, uh, I want to say that was Owen P. Oh, that was Owen P. I could be wrong about that, though. Owen Pepegertes? Is Let's that how see. you say it? Who told us how to say it? We had Brian Haney on. You know what? We oh, should, right. Brian we Haney, should yeah. go back. And listen to that? 
And no, not just that. We should clip the part where he pronounces it for and us. We'll just and say anytime it. we want to yes. say it, we just we'll play, just play the, it. Play the clip. Oh, that's a good idea, actually. That would be great. <laughs> uh, see, he made a 48 yarder in 2021. I don't know what his long was in 2022. Seth Keller did? Yeah, he connected on five 40 yard field goals in 2020. Hey. 46 yarder so in 2019. He was only at Texas State, right? He uh, started at Cisco College, which is a junior college, mm. for one year. Oh, I know where that is. And then uh, he joined Texas State for the last three Cisco years. Cisco College, that's in Texas. All Big 12 fourth team for Phil Steele. I mean, that's 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 a gigantic. If you go from having the worst that's kicker true. in the Big 12 to having the, the fourth best, fourth, that's yeah. big difference. That actually Very is a big difference. difference. Yeah. Um, okay, six also represents the uh, amount of receiving touchdowns that Luke Grimm and Mason Fairchild each had. Both of them tied for the team lead with six receiving touchdowns. What do you think the number is for the KU leading receiver in that category this year? Mm, I think it's higher than six. It's just tough because it's so balanced and yeah. you know spread out. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, think about it. If Jalen, Dan- let's say Jalen Daniels throws twenty-eight touchdown passes, right? Is that you think that's reasonable? Twenty-eight. I mean, what did what did Bean and and Daniels have last year combined? It was like combined? thirty something okay, like that. Okay, so we want to say thirty. Bean threw fourteen last year. Yeah, just say just say thirty because I feel like that's a good like round number. Okay, so thirty touchdowns. You got Mason Fairchild, Luke Grimm. For what it's worth, they had thirty-two. But yeah, okay, thirty-two. Let's just do thirty-two then. Okay, thirty-two, thirty-two touchdowns to, to facilitate among Mason Fairchild, Luke Grimm, Quentin Skinner, uh, Lawrence Arnold, Jared Casey, Devin Neal, and Daniel Highshaw. Yeah, there's also the chance that like somebody random catches no, one like, on yeah, a I trick know. play. I mean, yeah. Tor- I mean, Tory Lachlan had a touchdown last year. Exactly, Tory Lachlan. Uh, Savion Morrison, is it that crazy to think that he gets no. a screen pass and scores a touchdown? No, you probably give out just like of the 32, you could probably say that like three are just going to be random. Yes. Like players who are not on the two deep, three or four of them. So you want to say, okay, so let's say four. Okay. Four off the board. Devin Neal gets three. Okay. That's seven. Daniel Highshaw gets two. That's nine. Jerry Casey gets four. four. That might be 13. too much. It might be three. But yeah, three? yeah. Okay. We'll, we'll say four. We'll okay. say four. 13. Up to 13. Then you want to say Mason Fairchild gets we'll probably go one up. more? We'll go seven. Yeah. Seven? Okay. So that gets us to 20. And we haven't even got to the receivers yet. It's, yeah. We haven't, we haven't even got to Luke Grimm, Lawrence Arnold, or Quentin, Quentin Skinner. Skinner. Or any of the other so receivers. So you want to say yeah. Quentin Skinner gets four? And then you have eight. Then you have eight. To go between Lawrence Arnold, so we, we totally That's screwed tough. it up. We yeah. totally messed it up. Okay, That's, well I that, think the what math is not right. I there. think uh, the math that we've worked out here is that Jalen Daniels is going to throw for forty touchdowns. And it's going to make everything better. If he does that, then yeah, it makes total. <laughs> the math makes total sense. I, I think the number you're probably looking at is like seven. I can see it being a little higher than last yeah. year. Yeah, probably right around. Yeah, there. because I mean, listen, you could say reasonably, Lawrence Arnold gets seven touchdowns or eight touchdowns. Luke Grimm could get seven or eight touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Mason Fairchild could get seven or eight touchdowns. That's three dudes right there that could easily you could easily see them getting to that number, right? But then if you, if all three of them are around that number, that already gets you up to like almost twenty or over twenty total touchdowns, and you still got to get those other guys that you think are going to score something. Yeah, you know. Yep. No, hundred um, percent. But I, I think would, seven or eight. I think that's a good number. I mean, unless, like I said, unless like Lawrence Arnold or Luke Grimm just like clearly separates as the number one guy, and maybe they get like 10 or 11 or 12. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, when's the last time a K receiver had double-digit touchdowns? It's got to be Probably have to go back Desmond to Briscoe, Briscoe right? Meyer, something like that. Yeah. That's just always a good guess. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a timeout. RCST is brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery. Tim Scarborough joins us in about a little over 10 minutes from right now. This is KLWN, depending on it. 
Welcome back in on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. This is FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. And we're joined now by Tim Scarborough, who is a basketball analyst covering the TBT, the basketball tournament going on right now, in addition to some of his work with Stadium, ESPN, and HBCU Go TV. Uh, you were on the call as the color guy for the Mass Street team in, in their opener on Wednesday night. And you know, we go back to the iteration when it was self-made for the KU team and things didn't go great in the uh, first round. Things didn't start great for the Mastery team, but they did find a way to kind of chip away against this D3 team on Wednesday. I I did think coming in, I think the, the point spread coming into the game was like 12 and a half points, which I thought was, was a little high because that D3 team had been competitive in years past. And I think sometimes it takes some games for teams to realize how hard you have to play in this event when you haven't been in this event before. But, you know, they did pull through in the fourth quarter in the Elam ending. What overall did you make of that game with Mastery, who came in with, with high expectations as a one seed and, and really had to struggle to get through uh, the D3 team? Yeah, yeah. First of all, thanks for having me, Derek. Uh, pleasure to be on. Um, it's interesting. I finally get to come out to Kansas to do some games because I've been on your show a few times over yeah. the years calling TBT games. And, uh, yeah, this is this is a lot of fun. I'm glad to, to be back. But, yeah, that 12.5, I actually didn't notice that. Um, I was actually talking about that this morning at breakfast with some of the TBT folks. Um, and I said, I told them, I was like, you know, the TBT typically doesn't yield those types of spreads because of the Elam ending. You know, teams kind of nurse staying close and then try to, you know, once the clock goes off, they try to make their hill a little less higher to climb. So you generally don't see 20-point, 30-point games or even 12- to 15-point games in TBT. So, yeah, if I was a betting man, I would have actually taken the points. But, you know, at at one point it looked like, wow, we are D3 may pull off one of the biggest upsets in TBT history. But um, it's been kind of that way all week here in Wichita. Teams have gotten down by 12, 15, 19 points and have come back to either win the game or shot to win the game. So, um, But that Mass Street team is loaded, let's be honest. I mean, you guys know KU alum uh, have a lot of – Great players in the NBA. Uh, they had a couple of NBA guys coaching the team, although Markeith Morris wasn't there the other night because his wife went into labor, so he had to, to go there and be with her. But Marcus Morris, I thought he did a great job coaching this team back into contention because he made a few adjustments, uh, particularly putting the ball in Keith Langford's hands. And who would have thought, right, Keith Langford is 39 yeah. years old. But, man, he was the best player on the floor for a good stretch of that game. Uh, Thomas Robinson, obviously a stud, still six foot nine, twenty twelve NBA pick, uh, first rounder. Uh, so you know he's a lottery guy, and, and he looked like it the other night, man, down the stretch. And of course, he had the Elam Ender, but yeah, it's a great collection of guys. I know if I was in this program or around this program a lot, like Fran Fischilla is, you know, I would have been just thrilled. I was thrilled to see all of that because you know, obviously, Kansas plays at national level, so we all know who these guys are. But it has to be a little bit more uh, delightful for this fan base to see this group and to see them move on. Yeah, and uh, you know, I guess the the follow up to that is is in game two. Obviously, game one was a little bit clunky. I think twenty two turnovers in the game. They didn't shoot it great from three. They were also, you know, without a couple players that we'll see if uh, they do get back any of 
Mario Chalmers, Tyshawn Taylor, Diedrich Lawson, because that would be big difference for if any of those guys were to come back, and I think specifically one of those point guards. Um, I, are you expecting a more clean and, and better Game 2 performance? Because as you talked about, there is a lot of talent on the roster, but um, that first game, you know, it wasn't the, uh, I think, the best performance overall until maybe later in the game. It wasn't, and, and but let's be honest, that D3 team had a lot to do with it, too. They played really well. They shot the ball well. They played basketball the right way, meaning they shared the ball. They had a lot of movement to their offense. They had a system that they were running. Well-coached team, which is what you're starting to see a lot in the last four or five years in TBT. Teams are prepping for these games. I mean, they're doing scouting reports. They're running training camps. Uh, you know, they have multiple coaches over there. You know, it was a time where people would just kind of roll up get out of their car and play in the games. TBT is not that anymore. This is highly organized. So when you take the floor, it's, it's kind of like an NCAA game, like a 12-5 a, a matchup or 14-3. You think that lower seed is going to win the game, lower meaning, you know, a, a two or three. Um, but once the game starts, you realize these teams aren't that far apart in terms of talent. And I thought Adam Fravert for, for that D3 team, he kind of got under the skin of the audience, so it was it was good to to hear them kind of <laughs> give it to him. <laughs> but but he um, you know he kind of carried them, made some big shots for them uh, throughout the course of that game. So you know it's basketball. If you play the right way, you can compete. And that three point line, if you could knock them down, it's a great equalizer for size disadvantage or strength or athleticism disadvantage that we saw. We are D three had the other night. They're taking on Show Me Squad, which is the Missouri alumni, so that'll be a lot of fun in terms of just, you know, anytime you get Kansas-Missouri kind of lined up against each other in some form or fashion. Uh, you got to see that team play as well, and uh, they had quite a high-scoring first game uh, to get through. In what ways do you see the Show Me Squad giving uh, Mastery some trouble, and in what ways do you think Mastery can have some advantages in that game? Uh, advantage Mastery for sure. But again, you got to show up and play. And, and and honestly, a lot of teams, especially the alumni teams that are loaded, they tend to have a clunker in the early part. And if they survive that, they tend to go far in TBT. Uh, so you know, Kansas got the clunker right away, right? So now um, I expect them to be better. I don't expect them to turn, turn the ball over twenty-two times. I mean, this is not middle school basketball in the rec, right? <laughs> so um, I, I think they'll take care of it. Um, I don't expect any of those other guys. Maybe they might show up. I, I doubt Rio will show up. Uh, Mario Chalmers, um, I believe he contractually can't because of the big three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but uh, maybe maybe Tyshawn comes. I don't know. But I, I don't think they need those guys necessarily to play better. Um, again, they figured some things out in terms of who to keep the ball in their hands, who's going to take care of it. And uh, Brandon Rush didn't do too badly either. But really, Kevin Young, uh, who, who who played at Kansas for a couple of years uh, and played at Loyola Marymount, but I thought he was an energy guy. Didn't score a lot of points statistically, but he kind of helped them turn things around. And then the LaSalle guy, Rodney Green, that's the thing. The, uh, you, know, you don't necessarily have to be a, tr- a true alum to contribute. And when you look at that show-me squad, for example, their two best players to me was, were actually the guys from UT Arlington, Eric Neal and Kevin Hervey. Hervey was an uh, NBA draft pick, and Eric Neal is an absolute pro at five foot ten. You know, and TBT, as you know, guard play, especially those little guards, Marcus Keene, uh, Ty- uh, Tyrese Rice. You know, over the years, those little five nine, five ten, six foot guards 
have have gone deep. Eric Washington for Team Twenty Three got the, the team to the championship. So that, those little guards, that's kind of a, a nice component to have. Um, so uh, I think Eric Neal and and Hervey will play well again, but I, I do really expect Mastery to take it and get to that regional final. I mean, overall, talent wise, um, I, I guess. Part of it maybe does depend on the availability of Tyshawn Taylor. Uh, what do you think the ceiling is of this mastery team? Like, do they have enough to, to win the whole thing? So, you know, that a lot of teams do. I was, I was talking about this some on the air yesterday. The, um, the overall talent of TBT, the 1-64, there's not many bad teams. Not, I, I don't know if any, even the ones that the JUCO team, the D3 team, teams that you expect – the nerd team in Syracuse. That nerd team beat Syracuse last year. So um, there's there's a lot of parity in TBT, but there aren't any teams that you say, wow, it's their tournament to win. And I think Kansas is one of those teams that are in the mix. I think uh, the Wichita team has shown that they can go far in this tournament, although they have had home court advantage similar to almost any – no other. You know, they, they – I think they had set a record again last night for a top 10 attendance of attended TBT games. So they have like six of the top 10 all-time attended games now. Um, and, you know, but when they get on the road, you know, it dissipates a little bit. That Dayton team is good enough. The Buffalo team that won it is good enough. And then when you start thinking about teams that aren't alumni teams, um, the Heartfire team that's here, Lafonso Ellis, former Notre Dame star, ESPN analyst, his team is good enough to win it all. In fact, Team 23, a lot of the players that played in the championship two years ago are on Lafonso Ellis' team. Uh, Florida TNT and Challenge ALS got together, two of the teams that have gone really far, and now they're together. Uh, in West Virginia next week, they have a chance. I think they could win it all. So, But, yeah, Matt Street certainly has enough talent to win it all. But, you, you know, as, as any tournament, you have to piece it together. You have to have some fortune. Um, I think now you guys know you kind of have to play hard, as hard as you played when you were playing for KU those years ago, if you want to get out of this tournament alive. You just do. Yeah, that, the, hard, that, the teams that play the hardest are going to win. No, that that's something that I, I think every year you'll see teams that are super talented join this thing and – um, they might even lose in the first round because they don't realize that and, and that maybe not hustling to get that one rebound, to get that one loose ball ends up being the difference in some of this that I yeah. think the experience in playing in it is is so critical. You also talked about the importance of guard play in this event, which, you know, just having guys that can go create their own buckets so important, especially uh, in the Elam ending. Uh, when you think of other common traits of winning teams in this event, what are they? Um, the the number one thing is quality guard play, and again, the turnovers for any at any level, any play. If you turn it over dozens of times, you're not going to win. I mean, Mastery is very fortunate to win with 22 turnovers. Um, so you have to take care of the basketball. You have to play together, um, have some flow to your offense, be able to lock down defensively, and just simply outwork that other team. Because there's a lot of pros out there; they're all talented. There's a lot of Big stars play in TBT. You know, they're not the biggest stars in the NBA, the NBA level, but these guys have swagger too. A lot of these guys have NBA experience. So, um, and they're playing for a million dollars that only one team's going to win. So that automatically ratchets up the effort level for most of these guys. 
So, and then you get to play on a national stage, and that's why that team, that Buffalo, that won it last year, um, I, I knew they would go far because I cover mid-major basketball, and I knew those guys would play hard. I think that bleed green team, the North Texas team, Grant McCaslin, who is now the Texas Tech head coach, uh, the last five years he was at North Texas, and North Texas won the NITs this year. They won an NCAA tournament game a year ago. Um, and and what people don't realize, everyone thinks Virginia is the number one defensive team in the country. It's actually North Texas. North Texas has been number one or number two over the last five years. Virginia's right there in the top five. But North Texas, in terms of field goal percentage, in terms of points given up per game, they they play defense. So that's the kind of team that can win uh, a tournament like this. Guys that are unselfish, guys that don't have the big names necessarily, but man, do they play cohesively. And then guys that, even though, again, they're not big names, know how to go get buckets down the stretch. So I think that's the formula. So show me squad uh, Saturday's opponent for mastery. If they win, they would get either Heart Fire, who you you talked about, or L.A. Cheaters. Uh, which of those possible three teams, show me squad, Heart Fire, L.A. Cheaters, do you think might be the toughest matchup for mastery? Well, by far, it's Heart Fire. Um, Heart Fire is, like I said, they're good enough to win this all, win this whole thing. They have Eric Griffin, one of the better pros overseas, uh, a late addition to their team, and he he got them to the next level uh, yesterday just by uh, putting the ball in his hands down the stretch. He made things happen. Um, they have good guard play. They're they're the biggest TBT team I ever seen. They they started four guys six ten or above, Ooh. and their point guard was six four. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, I said it on the air. I said, my friend LaFonso Ellis has a uh, bias towards big. <laughs> I mean, his whole team is taller than he is. <laughs> so, um, and, they, and they laid an egg early. They got down by 15 and came back and won. You know, it, it's just, you know, it's TBT. Sometimes it's just that way, but you have to persevere and stay with it. So that team is certainly good enough to win it all. And, and I, re- I kind of want to see that matchup you just said. I want to see Hartfire versus uh, the KU Mass Street team. I think that'll be a battle. Mass Street probably has the advantage because the, the building's going to be electric. I was, I was impressed with the number of uh, KU folks I saw here the other night, to be quite honest. A lot of red and, and blue in the audience. And, you know, I'm, when, when you get caught up calling the game, sometimes you, you don't really notice it. But then, and they were quiet because the team wasn't playing very well. But when the team started getting back into it, I actually had to turn around and look. I said, oh, there's a lot of people sitting behind me. <laughs> so, um, uh, yeah, that, w- that was fun. And then after the game was even more fun for me to watch the fans come down and, and see it. You know, I used to work with Dave Armstrong, longtime mm-hmm. uh, KU announcer, and Dave and I are good friends. And he's always telling me, Scar, you need to come out to, to Lawrence and just experience it. And I want to do it. It's on my basketball bucket list for sure. But uh, I think – you know, TV. You, you really don't even understand the the emotion and the the uh, even the expressions on people's faces when they see these guys walk through. Man, it's like it's like the Beatles in the 1960s. You know, uh, people are crying and, and it's maybe not that far, but they're definitely looking like you know, oh my gosh, that's 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 Robinson, that's Langford. Oh my goodness, you know, and they're mm-hmm. taking pictures. I mean, Thomas Robinson, he stayed around easily another 45 minutes. And he probably got about 12 feet to the locker room because he got stopped <laughs> every two inches. <laughs> so, I mean, he, he hit the Elam Ender, so you can understand why yeah. everyone was embracing him the other night. Yeah, he's one of the all-time favorites for KU fans, that's that's for sure, especially with his story and you know everything that, that he accomplished here at uh, KU. Um, 
you are going to be in West Virginia for for the regional that I honestly probably had the hardest time filling out as part of my bracket. Best Virginia at the top. Heard that I, I think is good enough to win it. They're the four seed. I mean, even Zucre, you get Levance Fields in there. I always loved watching him yeah. growing up. Uh, the Challenge ALS Florida team that you mentioned, two great teams that are putting together. Sideline Cancer, always a great team in this. Even Ram Nation kind of back after they used to be a team that, that made deep runs a, a lot in years past. Uh, how do you see that region sorting out? Because I, I could make the argument that's the hardest region to figure out. The hardest region to figure out and the most competitive region mm-hmm. top to bottom. Like you just mentioned that Zoo Crew team, that uh, the Pittsburgh alum, you know, we're going to be in Wheeling, West Virginia, which is not far from Pittsburgh. In fact, we'll fly into Pittsburgh to get there. And so, you know, they're going to have fans there. Uh, this is one, kind of a first year for them. I think they had another iteration, much like you guys with the self-made a few years back. But this is a, a new team. So that is a disadvantage. But as you mentioned, heard that very much good enough to win that region this year. And I've never said that about those guys. And I covered John Elmore's whole career at Marshall. Um, And I know what John could do. Um, But they've added some pieces to it that may put them over the hump. But again, as you mentioned, tough, tough, tough region. So who knows? But that team... They added Jared West, who played four years at Marshall, and then he finished the last year at Louisville. Um, they added Tavion Kenzie, who John El- Elmore graduated as the all-time leading scorer at Marshall. It didn't last long, but Tavion Kenzie came and broke all of his scoring records. And Tav- Tavion is a scorer like John, but he's super athletic. In fact, I would dare say he's the best dunker in that region. Um those guys being added, Ja'Cory Williams, who is a TBT sensation, the team Arkansas team where he played most of his career and then he finished at Middle Tennessee, you know, they've had him. They, I mean, they pay this guy to play. And then heard that has been trying to raise money to pay. Well, I guess heard that probably finally came up with enough ducats because he's back in West Virginia with heard that. <laughs> so adding those guys, wow, they, they're good enough to win it. But having said that, that Florida TNT Challenge ALS combination um, you know, the Challenge ALS, of course, that Pete Frates, the, the, the young man that eventually passed away, that chal- uh, the uh, ALS bucket challenge uh, that people were doing years ago, those guys invented that whole thing that, that swept the nation. And uh, Sean Marshall, the GM, got with Terry Hughes, the GM of uh, Florida TNT, who has gone to the semis and gone deep in this tournament, said, hey, let's get together. So they put together a nice little team. So, you know, to me, they're probably the favorites in that group. The best Virginia team is hosting, though. So they were going to be close to Morgantown, as you guys can see in Wichita. That means something. When, when you get that uh, fan base kind of supporting you, that can carry you over the hump sometimes. That's going to be a very, very tough region. It's going to be exciting. Um, it's going to be – I get to do my first TBT quarterfinal. So the winner of that regional final, which I'll do on ESPN2 next Saturday – um, they get to host the winner of the Dayton region, I believe. No, Syracuse, I'm sorry. Um, and so that's potentially a, te- a matchup between the defending champions, the Buffalo team, coming to West Virginia to try to advance to Philadelphia for the semifinals. 
Yeah, it's it's going to be fun. I'll be watching all of it. I'll be hearing you on plenty more calls and uh, looking forward to seeing if Mastery can make a deep run in this thing. Tim, I appreciate you uh, taking some time out of your day, man. Like you said, you've been super busy, just nonstop games that you've been calling. So I appreciate <laughs> taking some time out of your day and uh, hopping on with me. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me, Derek. Appreciate it, man. And, and you know, I've always loved the Kansas program from afar. So seeing this up close has been great. And uh, thanks for uh, and continue to include me in this whole Kansas process. I love it. And one day, I'm going to get to Lawrence, I promise. There we go. Love it. And uh, we'd be glad to have you and, and give you some, I don't know, restaurant recommendations and, and whatever you need whenever you do make it out here. Tim, I appreciate it as always, man. No question. Thanks a lot, Derek. Take care, man. That was Tim Scarborough, analyst for the TBT with ESPN. He also works with Stadium and HBCU Go. Thank you to Tim for hopping on and talking a little TBT Mass Street with us here on the show. One hour down, two to go. We got some uh, more KU football conversation. We uh, also have another edition of Sports Stock Market, and we're going to do a football draft of Mario Kart characters coming up next. This is RCST with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson on KLWN, depending on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Four o'clock hour here on the show. And uh, coming up, we'll get to a, another edition of Sports Stock Market, KU Football Friday in the five o'clock hour. Uh, before we get to any of that, though, we're doing another football draft. So we've been doing basketball, football drafts, just drafting random things. If you, if you, we, we have agreed that football is more fun, though. Yeah, we have, uh, especially because we're getting closer to football season. Uh, but there's more you can do with it. We have more positions yeah. to draft, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So if there's something you think would be funny or fun for us to draft, just hit us up at RCST1320 and uh, give us a suggestion. Uh, so for today, what we're going to be drafting is Mario Kart characters. Pretty open universe. There are a lot of Mario Kart games. People might have played Mario there Kart are, on like their Nintendo 64, yeah. on their GameCube, on their Wii, on their now their Nintendo Switch. There's a lot of different Mario Kart games. It's an instant classic of a video game. There are a lot of different characters that you can use um, in the game. So we're going to draft head coach, quarterback, running back, receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, defensive back. Uh, suspend some disbelief in, in certain regards. You're trying to build the best football team possible um i have won the last four drafts after you won the first draft so you've got some uh some road to make up here and you also have the first pick of this draft so i'm up first yes that is how that works hmm. so there was a bit of controversy regarding the first pick <laughs> but, yeah okay uh, so i guess the air curtain back off the, air, off the air, off the air. Nick has the first pick. We've just been rotating, so I've, uh, you know, I had it last week, so he has it this week. Yeah. And I was like, "Who are you going to take first pick?" And he's like, "I honestly don't know." So I offered. I said, "I will trade you pick sw- spots with him." And he was like, "But I don't know who to take first, so I guess I should do that." After hearing that, I decided to withdraw my trade offer because. But well, we, it, it, it I was already him to agreed. Embarrass himself. It was no, already I, agreed. We never shook hands. We never shook agreed. hands. It was. There was nothing agreed. in writing. We never well, anyways, hands. You have no proof. With the first outside of what pick, I just said, with my first pick, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go to the D line here. I think this is a good pick. I'm gonna go with Bowser. I would like to make our Bowser. trade once again. Give me Bowser on the D line. I was gonna pick. That was gonna be my pick. Give me Bowser on the D line. I mean, how do you stop that, dude? He's a he's a yeah. massive, just spikes an absolute unit. Gel. Spikes on him. He breathes fire on you. Like, how do you stop that? He's, he's unstoppable yeah. on the D-line. No, I, I thought that was very clear to me, the number one pick in the draft at that specific Okay, so position. I didn't mess it up. Good no, job. you did not. Good job, me. Uh, so, yeah, I'm now I'm wishing I would have taken the trade. <laughs> um, okay, so now I have back-to-back picks. Yes. Oh, boy. 
feel like there's a big drop off after that. Um, after Bowser, yeah, there's not a big. I don't think there's a big know. drop off. Big might be the wrong word. Um, hmm. I might get. <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm just gonna do. Wow, it. I, I just don't totally care. derailed your you entire did, draft. You did. You did. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna take Mario at quarterback. Okay. Um, he's shifty. Obviously, in the Mario games, he's like jumping over stuff. Yeah. He also has some power to him. He'll run into things. He, See, I you know, had Mario as my top running back. Actually. I actually had him as my number. Well, I won't. Get I think into there's. That. I think there's a better option at quarterback. Um, I thought about his brother Luigi. He's taller. I think Luigi's the better but option. Mario is just the Luigi's kind of spineless. I don't know. Yeah, that's the concern with Luigi. Luigi, yeah. I don't, does he have the guts? <laughs> right. Does he have the saying foie? Whereas Mario, Mario is the like undersized quarterback who everybody loves because <laughs> he, he the production's there. The he's a leader. But if he's Kyler Murray and he just stinks, though, We're, maybe. But Luigi's Brock Osweiler, so I'm gonna go Mario <laughs> at quarterback, and then okay. I had Mario as my number one running back, though. Yeah. Okay. I've been debating like where I play this guy, and initially I was leaning offensive line, but because you took Bowser, I think I'm gonna make him defensive line. I'm gonna okay. go Donkey Kong. Okay, that's on the a good defensive pick. line. That's a good pick. I I. I could see Donkey Kong playing either offensive line or yeah. defensive line. He's got the really because, long arms. He can yeah. jump. Yeah. And he obviously physical, you know, strong. Yeah. Likes to hit yeah. people. No, I, I think regardless, Honestly, whichever line yeah. you put him on, I think that's a pretty he's solid. He's just going to be a football player. Yeah. He's going to hit the other guys. Cool. <laughs> yeah. We're good. That's <laughs> a pretty solid pick. All right. So now I have two picks. Yes. All right. I think I'm going to go to my offensive line. And I am going to take. I don't know. Now I'm rethinking it. I think after, I don't know, there gets to gonna, a point in this where you're like, is this way too early on like yeah, every one know, of these picks? I know, I know. You know? It's like, a, a think, little bit of a scary draft. I know. Like, I think I want to take Wario on the offensive line. I think it's a good pick. He's a big, yeah. big, fat, strong dude. Just gives off. Always I mean, angry. If you, if you were to go look at the Mario Kart characters and say, which one of these guys plays offensive line? <laughs> You're picking Wario, yes, right? Yes. He's the one that plays offensive line. Yeah. No, I thought I thought Wario was one of those flexible guys, too. Like, you could play him D-line. You might be able to convince me he plays linebacker. Fat, I, think I think offensive line, though. Yeah, he's pick. too fat yeah. for linebacker. He's yeah. not fast enough. You would get burned, and you would get burned in the past. Yeah, right? no, you you've had a very good start to the draft. You're building from the interior right. out. You've got your line. So I got Wario. I got Bowser. Two and I got evil. Those. Now, are you, are you worried a little bit? You've got a couple of evil beans. Wario and Bowser are are evil. No, I, I'm leaning gonna into that. They're going to make for a, a bad locker room. You're going to have no, bad I'm, locker I'm, room chemistry. I'm leaning into that. Okay. I'm leaning into So you're going to be like the bad boy Raiders of yes. like the 80s. leaning into it. Okay. In fact, I have another pick that I might make in the future that would lean into that even more, <laughs> okay. but I don't know yet. So, okay, I think this is a, I think this is a really, really great pick, and I'm just going to go ahead and, well, I need. I probably should get a quarterback. All right, hang on a second. Let me reconsider here. Because I was I – was, I actually had Luigi as my quarterback, but mm-hmm. with the discussion. Did I talk you out of him? Yeah, you kind of did talk me out of it. I'm not so sure about Luigi now at quarterback. I mean, he could still be a solid quarterback. I just. I think he would be a solid quarterback. You know what? I'm not going to let you persuade me. Okay. Give me Luigi as my quarterback. <laughs> That's fine. No, I mean he's got he's got all the measurables. He's got the height. Yep. Uh, you know he's, he's athletic because like you know yep. the Luigi he's games he's doing the same things as Mario. Yep. Um, yeah, I just yep. have questions about the intangibles. You know, okay, That's my well, problem here. Well, you, you drafted Will Levis, right? <laughs> <laughs> I got I got I got uh, Bryce Young. You got Will Levis. That's fine. Okay. No, you got Kyler Murray. <laughs> Top fifteen quarterback. We're good. Um, okay, I have two picks here. 
I really want this pick. I don't know if he's even on your radar, but I just want to make sure I get him. Okay. I'm going with Yoshi. Yoshi was on my radar. What Where position? are you putting him? I'm interested to see what you said first. No, but you, you tell, you're the one making the pick. All right, I'm putting Yoshi at, I don't think this is going to be the position you put him at. Okay. Linebacker. Wow, I think you were going to put Yoshi at running back. I was going to put Yoshi actually at receiver. Okay. The uh, reason I don't why think Yoshi I think has the, hands. No, but, no, but dude, his tongue is super long and he grabs everything. Oh, I guess he does have hands. Yeah. I don't know, I've been and, well, no, but his tongue. That's what makes him a great receiver, That's I think. That's fine. Okay. Um, so <laughs> His tongue, you know. <laughs> yeah. He could probably do that. Yoshi is very fast. Very, very fast. Like, if you've ever seen some of this stuff, very quick. He also has underrated power to him. I think you just get him in a straight line at linebacker and I have think, him run people I over. think he's a better receiver. That's just me. And he can also use the tongue thing to <laughs> stop the carriers wherever they are. Or, like, reach up for the ball. <laughs> I think you know? he was a clear-cut receiver, to be That's honest. That's fine. You can do with that. Um, yeah. Let's see. So, I need offensive line. Okay, I only have one offensive lineman left on my list. So, this is kind of a... Uh, uh, a need take where I'm worried Petey Piranha. <laughs> Petey Piranha is the big, like, it's not an actual piranha, it's a plant. It's the, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah, it's the big, like, flower yeah. that, you yeah. know, will come over and eat you if you get too close. Isn't that perfect for an offensive lineman? You get too close to my quarterback, sure, I'm going to yeah. eat you. Sure. Go right ahead. So, yeah, Petey Piranha. It's got good range. Because the head can move like back and forth and, and all sorts of stuff. It's great. PD Piranha. Okay. Now, I have two picks, right? Yes. All right. I think you have totally flubbed this opportunity. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take advantage of it on the defense. So I have Bowser on my D-line. Bowser Jr. as my linebacker. Bowser Jr. is tiny. That's a horrible pick. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. He's not that tiny. He's Bowser this is like Jr. your Horn do Frogs you pick. What do you mean? No. He's a child. No, he's not. Yes, he. Do you know who Bowser Jr. is? I just know that he's Bowser Jr. <laughs> what? No, oh, great pick. He's tiny. Wow, I can't believe you didn't like that pick. No, because you keep taking these like way too small characters. Like here, I'm going to show you a picture. This doesn't help uh, for the listeners, but no, I know he's literally a child. He is Bowser's he's like child. Uh, yes. Let me rethink. No, this. you can't. You already took it. You have to have it. You, you get your other pick. I'm just letting okay. you know. No, that's fine. I think okay. it's a fine pick still. Okay. Because he fine. just will attack you. You know, you get past okay. Bowser. The great chemistry. You have a nine-year-old at linebacker. and son. I don't even but know if this not, is legal. But he's but he, he's not the size of a nine-year-old. He's big. He's Bowser. Bowser Jr. Okay. All right. So I still need a running back, a wide receiver, and a defensive back. And a head coach. And a coach. I'm going to go wide receiver here. I am going to go with – I don't think you would have picked this guy for wide receiver either. I'm going to go with Waluigi as my wide receiver. I actually had He's him as tall, my number two receiver. lanky. Uh, he can, you know – he's got good hops. And he's got another great trait in wide receivers, which is he will cheat and push off, but there won't <laughs> be any flags called against him because they don't that's throw true. a P.I. They don't throw offensive P.I., so that's actually better than putting him at defensive back. No, I, I thought that was a solid pick. I, I had so him Waluigi as uh, one of my receivers. Okay, I need a head coach, running back, receiver, and defensive back. I have two picks here. Uh, by the way, I thought that defensive back was by far the like worst position in this thing, but I don't know. We'll get there when we get there. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I, don't, I, I didn't see a ton of good options. 
All right, I'm going my running back. Honestly, I think in terms of the actual player here, this could have deserved to be a top three pick, but I didn't think you'd think of it. Bullet Bill. Bullet Bill. That's because he's like, I don't. was he even in a Mario Kart? Was he a Mario Kart character? Yeah, you get the bullet and then you turn into Bullet Bill. But that, no, that doesn't count. No, that's a character. No, that does not count. That is hundred percent. No, 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 does not count. All right. When you're does playing not count. when you're playing as, you know, Mario or Peach or whoever you're playing with. It doesn't count. And you click the button that turns you in to Bullet it Bill. It doesn't count. You are racing as Bullet Bill. No, but that's not the char- it's not a character. Which at that point is your character. No, only for that two you know, five seconds. But that still means it's your character. No. So I know your bullet character, bill for like no. five seconds at a time, but that's no. fine because plays are only like five seconds. No, no, yeah. this is a veto. No, you have to pick something else. You're a veto. No, dude, you don't. You can't select him. Yes, I it's can. It's not a character select. You play as him during no, the game. No, you don't. It's not. He's not someone you can select when you go to play right, the fine. game. Just for the sake of this, I will not count it. But I'm putting an asterisk on the result of this if I lose. Okay, <laughs> you cool with that? No, because it's. I'm right. You're wrong. All right, fine. Metal Mario. Metal Mario is my running back. That's a that's separate a character thing. from Mario. I, I had Metal Mario. Metal Mario is metal. We know Mario is fast. He's stronger than him because he's metal. Suck it. <laughs> I had Metal Mario, actually, as my running back. I was going to take him, probably. Okay. Uh, did I take two? I think I only took one. Right? Yeah, you can take I've another. lost track. Okay, we both have three. So, yeah, I get one more. Okay, and then uh, I'm going to just complete the, uh, the cycle of Mario's here. I'm going to go Tanuki Mario ah. at wide receiver. No, I want Tanuki for Mario. Tanuki Mario is the one with like the raccoon He's like outfit. Mario. Yeah. Yes, and he has the ability to fly. Yes. Well, he like perfect for wide receiver. Can, like, exactly. Well, at least fall He's with quick. Style. Boom. And now I have the ultimate um that's team really chemistry. No, Mario, really Metal Mario, Tanuki Mario, boom, golden. So well, who, I don't even remember who's on my team. I have you have Luigi at quarterback, Waluigi at receiver, Wario, which, by the way, that's a problem. Luigi and Waluigi hate each other. They're literally <laughs> nemesis, and now they're throwing no, each perfect. other ball. That's, that's, the, that's the perfect chemistry you want between wide receiver and quarterback. I don't know. That's like Stephon Diggs getting mad at Josh Allen all that's the time. That's what I'm saying. It's perfect. Okay. Uh, Wario's your offensive line. Bowser's your D-line. Bowser Jr. at linebackers. You need head need coach, running, running back, back, DB. And DB and head coach. Mm-hmm. Well, I was going to take Metal Mario as running back, and I was going to take Tanuki Mario as my DB. If you want to so let me have Bullet Bill, you could have had one bad. of them. So that was bad. Your fault. That was really bad for me. You should have just let me have Bullet Bill. <laughs> uh, no. All right. For my running back, I'm going with Link. Okay. Link is my running back. It's fine. You he know, he doesn't get to pick. play with the sword, right? He's a, no. Yeah. He doesn't need the okay. sword. It's fine. No. He's a, he's a very athletic I'm just telling individual. you because Link is also a child. No, he's a very You've athletic individual. You've drafted two children on your team. No, you're just an idiot. No, he's, he's, he's a very athletic individual. And he's great. That's my running back. Okay. I have no idea what I'm doing for the secondary. I mean, this is a disaster. Yeah, no, DB is, is especially if you don't use, like, Tanuki Mario as the defensive back. or Yes. He was the only guy I had listed. I, didn't, yeah. I couldn't think of anybody else. <laughs> he was my only defensive back option. And I didn't, th- I didn't think you would think of him, so I'm kind of annoyed mm-hmm. by that. Because, uh... like, dude, Toad is useless. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, 
Koopa Troopa is probably useless. I mean, I guess he could turn himself into a into a shell and you know go zap people, mm-hmm. go zap the def- zap the receivers. But wouldn't he just get called for pi sure. every time? Yes. So that's probably not a great pick. It's too bad the magic Koopa, which is like the okay. wizard one. You Actually, can't. It's not I'm a playable go with this character. Pick uh, I think it's that. I think. Let me make sure this is what I'm thinking. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with, uh, I don't know how to say his name. The Lakitu, the guy that's in the cloud. Yeah, he's not a playable character. Yes, he is. No, he's not. In one of them. I just one told, of them that's the Magic Koopa. No, no, no. I just in told you. In one of the Mario Karts, you can play as him. I don't think that's right. It is right. I'm, I'm looking right now. You can play as him in Mario Kart 7. I'm looking at it right now. I, I got up a whole spreadsheet. Of all players, all of the drivers from all the different Mario Karts. Okay. And it's listed right here. Playable character in Mario Kart 7. Okay. I'll give it to you. The beauty, though, is that a lot of people reading this might not know who it is, and they're going to see Lacky. Oh, you can also like, play as him so in Mario Kart 8 and Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Okay. That's so, fine. I give him to you. That sucks He's your for you. DB. That's my DB. That's Dude, fine. he's on a literal cloud. He can deflect it's and fine. move around and do whatever he wants. He's on a cloud. You're good. Nobody You're good. can stop him. All right. I have two straight picks. Breaks up every, ta- breaks up every pass. Uh, DB. I did think Diddy Kong would have actually been like a fine DB. He's like a smaller version of Donkey Kong, can jump and everything. Um, but I'm going to go with King Boo. That's or just terrible, Boo in general. It's ghosts. It can float in the air. It can but knock you, they, they can, they, How's he going to tackle anybody? It's, they they, can just, still run, hold they stuff. just run through him. No, because they can still touch stuff. Like No, he can just run right through him. How, how, is, he, he how is he operating the cart in Mario Kart if he can't touch anything? <laughs> how is he a nemesis to Mario and they have to like fight each other if he can't how touch anything? How is he going to tackle anybody? He's not. He can literally phase through any of your blockers and then become physical and tackle someone. Boom. Easy. That's a great pick. No. Great pick. I love it. Okay, and then uh, head coach. Oh, so bad. We are going to go with Princess Peach. Okay. Smart. Comes up with plans. Yeah. Um, sometimes needs to be saved, which inspires Mario. <laughs> so if, like, she calls a bad play and Mario needs to save the day in Audible, I have him as quarterback, so it's perfect. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. Who's your head coach? Um, I was thinking about making Toad my head coach, but he's kind of not very bright. <laughs> so I'm going to go with, uh, you went with Peach. Hmm? I'm going to go with Daisy Okay, as my head coach. Okay. All right, your head coach is Daisy. Your quarterback is Luigi. Your running back is Link. Receiver, Waluigi. Offensive line, Wario. Defensive line, Bowser. Linebacker, Bowser Jr. DB, Lakitu. My head coach is Princess Peach. Quarterback, Mario. Running back, Metal Mario. Uh, receiver Tanuki Mario, offensive line PD Piranha, defensive line Donkey Kong, linebacker Yoshi, defensive back Boo. We'll put that up for a poll at RCST1320 on Twitter. You can vote on it. Please do. And uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to take a timeout. Switch gears. Coming up next, sports stock market. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. About half past four here on KLWN. Vote at RCST1320 on who won that football draft. Uh, Did you know the year 2023 marks the Dole Institute's 20th anniversary and 100 years since the birth of renowned Kansan veteran, legislator, and statesman Senator Bob Dole? The Dole Institute, along with generous corporate and individual sponsors, is producing a months-long celebration in honor of Senator Dole's legacy. You can visit the Dole Institute now through tomorrow, July 22nd, to watch the world-renowned Kansas native artist Stan Hurd create a tribute earthwork of Senator Dole on 
the Dole Institute's grounds. Students from communities across Kansas contributed over a thousand pieces of art, which will be sealed onto tiles and incorporated into the final design. You can join the Dole Institute for their landmark celebration tomorrow. They're going to have free public events from 10 a.m. through 5 p.m. if you're looking for something to do tomorrow. All right, let's get it going here. Sports stock market on a Friday. The uh, stock market is officially closed. The bell has just been rung. And first up, stock is up on cheese. Cheese. What? Cheese, Gromit. Dude, I love Wallace and Gromit. I absolutely, dude, when I was a kid, Wallace and Gromit, oh, dude, I had like all the movies on VHS. Mm-hmm. So good. So good. Love Wallace and Gromit. Okay, cheese is up. Here's why. Uh, there's a Burger King in uh, Thailand. Okay. You're starting to lose me here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it'll be tough for you to attend this Burger King. Um, and they have a new cheeseburger that features many slices of cheese. Okay. Would you like to guess how many slices of cheese? Ten. 20 slices what? of American cheese between sesame bun. How's they don't possible? even have so wait, is burger it a, patties. Is, is, I was going to say, is there a burger in it? No. So they it's just not stack even 20 things of cheese. It's so basically it's like cheese. a grilled cheese. It's, it's, it's a grilled cheese burger, <laughs> what, basically. What are we doing? What? Uh, Why? It costs uh, about $10. Dude, I can make that at home. <laughs> you just take 10, 20 pieces of crap pack of cheese, slam them together with some bread, and voila. Uh-huh. What are, we, what are we doing? Yeah. What are we doing here? So you would not buy this? Well, no, I wouldn't buy it. I can make it <laughs> at home. Why I, is there no meat? I do have a problem with certain like. Is there items. any other things on it? No, that's it. That's it. Just cheese. What, I have a, what, I have a, so this makes me question: <laughs> What are the people of Thailand doing? Do they like this kind of stuff? I guess. What if like in Thailand, American cheese isn't as accessible? So it's like this is your one way of getting it. Why would they put it 20 pieces if it's not as accessible? <laughs> I, don't I don't know. Why would they put 20 pieces of it on? I don't know. The, they love it so much. It's not even a burger. I don't even know what to call it. I, I, I dislike when restaurants and places do certain food items that are not like, like that are easily accessible things. Nothing bothers me more. And I don't mean to offend anybody if they're like a restaurant owner or something. When you have like a breakfast place that you can buy like a bowl of cereal. Why? That it cost me like six dollars for a bowl of cereal when I could just go to the grocery store and Dude, get the you entire can get box. Get some scrambled eggs and bacon for the, and it's way cheaper than. So you know, you don't want scrambled eggs, you don't want bacon, you don't want waffles, you don't want anything. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that. Of course, I can buy anything that I get at a restaurant. The thing is, they're not actually preparing anything with the cereal. Dude, there you is see an what I'm art to pouring the there milk is not. in the cereal. There is not. <laughs> With at least with like yes, of course I could say well it's cheaper for me to go to the store and get eggs and bacon. Of course it is, but I'm also part of me paying somebody else to make it is that they are the ones cooking it, and that they are the ones putting something, you know whatever they're going to do seasoning wise to cook it. With the cereal, you're doing the same thing. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. So no, that stuff pisses me off. Wow. This kind of pisses me off from that regard. I can just easily make a. Gr- I don't know. Whatever doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm. I'm- like I said, I'm confused. Okay. I don't know if there's some sort of Thailand aspect of this that we're missing out on or, or what, but okay, I don't understand. Uh, stock is up on Carrot Cake because it is Nick Saban, the all-time goat for college football. It's his favorite cake. It's also my dad's favorite cake. One it's my, my favorite cake. cake. Really? Um, is tiramisu a cake? I don't consider it a cake. No, I like tiramisu, though. I, tiramisu really and carrot cake are like my two Dude, favorite, I guess, like, like really good. adjacent cake I mean, things. You get some good tiramisu. Yeah. That is good stuff. Yes. But like in terms of like cake cake, yeah, carrot cake's my favorite too. Yeah, my, my dad Love loves carrot, carrot cake. cake. 
Good. My dad loves cheesecake and carrot cake. Okay. Those are two favorites. I'd love to do a show with your dad. Yeah, he's he's, he's just me and him. Time. Yeah, he has a good time. Yeah, you're out for the day. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> um, okay, stock is up on water coolers uh, because they want to fight. Yeah, with this is Jared Kellenick. This is wild. So Jared Kellenick, really young player, like came up as like a top tier prospect, struggled mightily his first like two years. This year he's been having like a breakout year. He has been, uh, I guess slumping a little bit maybe over like the last month but over the course of the season this is a 24 year old who you know yeah. he's he's putting up really good power numbers he's got like uh, a 113 OPS where like 100 is, is league average basically that means he broke his foot kicking a water cooler yeah so he struck out in a game uh, recently I think last night or two nights ago I don't remember mm, I think it was last night two nights two night- I think ago. it was two nights ago two nights yeah. ago he strikes out and, you know, like most people, you strike out, you're frustrated, you're like, dude, this sucks, I just struck out. You got to walk back to your dugout, head between your head between your shoulders, you're sad. Well, this guy was angry, and he was like, you know what? Screw you, water cooler. Bang! Little Chuck Norris, wha-ba-ba-bang, wha-bang, wah-wah-wah! And then he underestimated the strength of the water cooler or mm-hmm. overestimated the strength of his foot, <laughs> and his foot is broken. Seems to be an issue. That is terrible. Which, listen, dude, if you, I get it. If you tried to kick a water cooler like that was actually full, you know what I mean? Because, mm-hmm. like, I think in in my mind, if the water cooler was totally empty, I think you could punt it easily. Yes. But if it's, like, full of water or Gatorade it's or whatever. Heavy. Yeah, it's heavy. It, that's not moving when you kick it. You know what it is? You know what it is moving? Your foot. <laughs> it's broken. Let's see. It says a full five-gallon water cooler, which I don't. I don't know how heavy theirs was. Approximately forty-three pounds. Yeah, that's not moving when you no. kick it. Imagine kicking a forty-three-pound weight or a rock. That ain't going well. Yeah, that's uh, that goes up there. There are a lot of. I feel like this happens more in baseball than any it other does. sport. These but weird normally injuries. in baseball, what happens is when a guy strikes out, he hits it with his back. Yeah, or he like you it know, cracks the bat, or on like his, picks uh, it up and leg. throws it. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Don't don't hit. So things. it's not so much kicking. This happened uh, like. A couple years ago with, I think, Devin Williams, who's been this, like, he's been one of the best relievers in baseball over the last three years, and he, like, punched a wall, and he, like, oh, broke his that. hand, and he no, couldn't pitch in, like, I think it was the playoffs or something. Yeah, no, yeah. I do remember that. Stop, stop hitting things. <laughs> okay, uh, stock is up on night owls. If you like to stay up late at night, into the wee hours of the morning, this is your time. Women's World Cup is in Australia. Australia is 16 hours ahead of, of central time, I guess, the best time, the only time that matters. So their games are starting at like midnight, mm-hmm. two a.m. Yeah, wait. Do you like Australian time or Eastern time more? I think I got to go with Australian. Time. <laughs> okay. I don't know anything else about Australian time, uh-huh. but the point being is that you know if you like to stay up late and you know it's late at night and you're like, what do I do now? I don't want to go to bed. Women's World Cup is on. That's right. And tonight, yeah. Well, what time is, is Team USA playing? So like eight o'clock. So USA plays at eight. So you know they've. They made it to where the U.S. doesn't play at a ridiculous hour. Which is good. Because, like, 8 p.m. here, I think, like I said, if they're 16 hours ahead, it's like a noon kickoff. Yeah. Basically. In Australia. Yeah. But their next game is uh, Tuesday, August 1st at 2 a.m. Yes, exactly. That's not ideal. Yeah. Especially on a Tuesday. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It'd be one thing <laughs> if it was, like, Saturday. It's just like, oh, just, you know, stay <laughs> yeah, up late. Go out to the bar, have some yeah. drinks, and then come home and watch the game. <laughs> the Tuesday part makes it a little more <laughs> difficult there. But if you are a night owl, you know, more power to you yeah, right no, now. No, this is your time to shine. It is. Uh, stock is down on McKinney, Texas. Okay, did you see this video? No, I didn't. Okay, so there was a video of a weatherman uh, giving a weather report in Texas. 
and he was like, oh, you know, here's the temperatures, you know, 100 degrees, 105 degrees. Well, there was an error in the system or like a malfunction. And for McKinney, Texas, it puts the heat index was like 100,000 degrees. Oh. And so the weather guy, when they gets to that, he just goes, everyone in McKinney, Texas is dead. <laughs> everyone, everyone there is dead. Oh, my gosh. So if you're in McKinney, Texas, sorry, you don't exist anymore. You're do you think, gone. Do you think anybody called into the – yeah, I see it now. So they have the <laughs> – So have they have the, 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 the heat index up, right? Yeah, so it's yeah. all the different cities around. So it's like Stephenville, like, 101, yeah, Archer yeah. City, So he's going through the list, and he gets to McKinney, Texas, and again, it's like – 101, sort of, 105. So, so yeah, 1,000 yeah. or 100,000, is the heat index. <laughs> and he just goes, everyone in McKinney's dead. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And keeps rolling with it. Do you think anybody, like, called in to complain, the news station? Maybe. Well, dude, if you live in McKinney and you watch that, and the guy's like, yeah, you're dead. What do you, what do, you, what do, you do? I mean, no, how you not. Feel, how, how you feeling about that? No. <laughs> I'm not owned. Yeah. I'm not owned. Uh, stock is up on comebacks because despite the Tampa Bay Rays starting the year 13-0 and eventually 29-7, and which, I mean, I don't even know what that puts you on pace for. Lots of wins. The Baltimore Orioles have now surpassed them for first in the AL East, and there's still 60 games to go. Yeah, the Orioles are what Royals fans hoped the Royals would have been this year. Yeah. Or like in 2020. No, I mean, it's similar timelines with when the Orioles started to kind of tank and be really yes. bad. Yes. Now, yeah, obviously, the Royals worked. have a World Series, which the they Orioles do. don't. Yeah. So that sucks Baltimore. But, you know, in terms of being competitive right now, they're doing it. They are. What's funny about this, though, is, is it the Royals that broke the Rays? Because every time the Royals played the Rays, they played really well. You think that's what it is? Yeah, the Rays lost to the Royals, and they were like, dude, we lost to the Royals. We, we actually suck. stink, yeah. Well, that, that whole division, the AL East, is brutal. Like, it, yeah. it's easy to fall off. Now, if you're like a Red Sox fan or a Yankees that fan, sucks. you are really triggered because yeah. if those teams were in the AL Central, they would be they would have like an eight-game lead. Yeah, the Yan- the Red Sox are fourth in their division. They're 51-46. and 46. The Yankees are last in their division at 50-47. and 47. And they would be, like I said, they would have the division lead in the AL Central by like five games mm-hmm. think, or four games. So it's like it's super easy to go on a slump because if you play a lot of these divisional opponents, yeah, so all these teams do, you're playing good teams each and every night, which makes it very, yeah. very difficult. Yeah, um, stock is up on Kirby Smart voting for other teams in the SEC media poll. So we talked a little bit earlier in the show during the open about Georgia's schedule. That um, Georgia's schedule, it's if you actually, soft. I think it was the ESPN FPI, it was some ESPN it's metric, Charmin Ultra Soft that came out and it actually said it was the easiest among <laughs> all SEC schools. Now it does help that Georgia doesn't have to play themselves while other schools do, but still, there's some schools in the SEC that don't play Georgia this year. Um, so they have the easiest schedule, like literally metrically by certain places. I mean, their only, only tough game is Tennessee. Maybe. Yes, uh, you mentioned Kirby Smart making the comment about like, "We'll come and play it then, right?" Come play our schedule, which is just a funny thing to say to someone in general. Because yes. if you're talking to a reporter, let me guess, a, a reporter is not a football team. <laughs> Does that make sense? Okay, um, so uh, the SEC me- media preseason poll came out. And here are the teams that got first place votes. Georgia got the most, Alabama second, LSU third. Tennessee got 14. Okay. All that's that you know, normal. Whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Which, by the way, they have a lot of people voting because Georgia got 265. Anyway. It's probably because everyone wants to go cover the SEC. I guess. Oh, it just means four <laughs> in the SEC, but we're only going to play eight conference games. The fifth most first place votes went to Vanderbilt. They got eight first place votes. Dude, they've been... Turning it around. <laughs> Their head coach, he, he's turning it around. Yeah. I don't remember his name, but he's turning it around. Uh, Auburn, Arkansas, South Carolina, A&M, Mississippi State, Kentucky also got 
a first place vote at the very least. Um, so that's a lot. Oh, of literally everyone. Basically everyone. Do you think this is somehow Kirby Smart got people to rig the vote to vote for other teams that are not Georgia to vote for random teams that they play on their schedule that aren't very good? Like for instance, or maybe like, they're going to play Kentucky and Vanderbilt, and now Kirby Smart can say that's a team that got they first got place votes. They got picked first. Yes. Of course we're playing a tough, a tough schedule. That's a very tough schedule. Very tough opponent. Four teams this year that got picked first in the SEC. Yes. That's tough. No, that actually does make sense. Yeah. I think he I think he bribed some people. Maybe, maybe he just put on the, the mustache and silly glasses and just went in and voted himself over and over it's and over possible. again for other teams. It is possible. Okay, uh, stock is down on Kentucky being ready for the next step. Kentucky football, I should say. I guess I just mentioned they got they got uh, one first place vote. Um, so this was put out by Mike Rutherford, who covers Kentucky, I believe, for The Athletic. Um, so this was a story back in 2015. The head coach is Mark Stoops for Kentucky. Stoops says 2015 Wildcats ready to take the next big step. Um, here's a story from 2016. Mark Stoops, Kentucky ready to take next step. Here's a story from 2017. Improving Kentucky Wildcats look to take next step during Coach Mark Stoops. These are all like because of quotes from him. Uh, so he's saying every yes, year the same next, thing. That they're going to take the next step, and then they use it in the headline with him quoting next step. Uh, 2018, the latest. Stoops says time for Kentucky to take the next step. He hadn't done it in a few years, though. But He brought it year, back? At SEC Media Days, he did indeed bring it back. And uh, he said, now that we've been to seven straight bowl games, it's like we're looking for that next step. What's after this? And after this, I feel like we all know we need to get to Atlanta. Do, do, do they know what's after? Do they know what the next step is? I don't think so. That, I think I would they're think just if stuck they in did, the same step. If they did, they would have probably taken it by now, right? Yes, I think so. Uh, they they need to figure out a better way to be ready for the next step. <laughs> maybe uh, they, hey, maybe they're just operating on a different set of stairs. Than I guess else. so. So this is why stocks down on them taking the next step because <laughs> clearly they don't know how to do it. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is sports stock market for the week. Uh, we got a KU football Friday question coming up in the five o'clock hour. You're listening to RCST. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. If you want to join RCST trivia for football. We got a bunch of great prizes. You're going to win a t-shirt just for joining the event, but we've got gift cards, trophies, tumblers, all sorts of other stuff up for grabs. It's free to join. You might meet some new friends. You might get to test out your KU knowledge. You get to be on the radio, and you can win all those free prizes. All you got to do is hit us up at RCST1320 on Twitter. Wait, we're on the radio? <laughs> yeah, who knew? Oh, who knew they let no us idea. talk publicly? Wow. Um yeah, so you just hit us up at RCST1320 on Twitter. We have a tweet up there if you want to reply to that, if you want to quote tweet it, or if you just want to tweet at us, if you want to DM us, any way you can get a hold of us, just let us know your favorite KU football player or just let us know you want to be a part of football trivia, and then we'll uh, shoot you a message and, and we can get things ironed out. If you don't have Twitter, that's okay. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. The AM is lowercase. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. Uh, let's let's fill this thing up and, and let's start up with trivia next week and have a good dandy time and, and win some free prizes and uh, talk some KU football. So please join. Please join. We're yes. trying to fill up. Yes, please. Okay. Uh, our KU Football Friday question of the day. If Devin Neal rushes for 1,500 yards this season, what would you expect this season to look like, both for him individually and, like, I guess awards overall, all that sort of stuff, and team-wise in terms of the kind of floor versus ceiling approach? Well, I think if he rushes 1,500 yards, 
That means at minimum he's getting like twelve rushing touchdowns, fifteen. Probably a lot. Quite a few rushing. I guess there is the hypothetical in this that if he's rushing for fifteen hundred yards, does that mean that KU sustained some injuries along the offense that made them less effective in other ways? No, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. But that's not the fun way to think about this. It's not the fun. And I don't want to think about it that way. I want to think about it as. You have Jalen Daniels and all these receivers and, and tight ends nuts. and offensive line, and then Devin and Neal. you have Devin Neal going nuts. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think if that happens, you're looking at KU probably winning nine games. Mm-hmm. I would say. I mean, if he so if he's rushing 1,500 yards over 12 games, you know that's basically what like 120, 130 yards a game almost. Yeah. So uh, that means that you're going to have a very, very effective ground game to lean on literally every game, and when you have that. It's for and for this particular KU team, it does a couple different things. It probably means that your defense is not be does not have to be on the field that much or as much as they might otherwise have to be if you have a sustained ground game. Uh, so that's significant. And when you have the ability to run the ball like that, it just helps out everything else in the offense. I mean, if Devin Neal's running for that much, think about all of the crazy play action plays that Andy Kolnicki will will devise based off of that, right? Because we already saw it last year. I mean, he had plays to Tory Lachlan, to Jared Casey, to whoever on trick play type, play action type plays. So the offense, you feel great about. And I think that should lead to KU winning, like I said, at least nine games at that point, right? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot because it's guaranteeing that you have, at that point, one of the top rushers in the country individually in addition to the balance you have as an offense going forward. I actually looked last year. There were only five running backs in Power 5 that ran for 1,500 yards. There was about five or six others Gosh, non-Power I 5. Know, I don't even know that I could guess all of them. Okay, do you want I mean, to try? I'm assuming Bijan's one. He is one. Uh... There's another one in the Big 12, two more in the Big 10, and one in the SEC. Oh, uh, Zach, not not Zach Evans. Um, Kendra Miller. Or not Miller. What's that? What was he? What was TCU's running back? Kendra Miller. Kendra Miller. Incorrect. Really? Yes. If this was a trivia question, you just lost. Eric Gray didn't rush 1,500 yards, did he? He did not. Okay. You're forgetting a very obvious one. This is the guy oh, who I'm Vaughn. pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he led the, the league well, in K-State, carries. I don't, I don't, you know, whatever. <laughs> and then the, uh, okay, the, the Big so 10 I got ones. Two. Do you want to get the Big 10 or the SEC ones? Um, I mean, Big Ten, I don't remember the name of the kid, but the running back from Michigan. Nope. No, because he got hurt. He got hurt. Blake Corum. Right. Blake yep. Corum got hurt. Okay, so not Blake Corum. Uh, oh, I'm assuming Wisconsin's guy ran for 100. Nope. <laughs> You're doing Man. very poorly. Dude, this sucks. <laughs> All right. Uh, what about the guy from Illinois? Chase Brown. Yes. Yes. Okay. Great, there you go. great running back. First name to be Chase. Chase Brown. Um, so I got maybe three. that makes more sense to be a defense. So three player. out of five. There's only five. Yeah. There's Which, by good. the way, he graduated, so KU fans don't have to worry about him this year. Okay. So Chase Brown. Yep. In the SEC, the, Jameer Gibbs didn't get 1,500, did he? No. This no. one's going to be, I don't think you're going to get this one. Uh, I'll even give you the school Ole Miss. Zach Evans. No. Okay. Their other running back. I don't know who they're. Quinshaw, Ju- Quinshawn Judkins. Which is a great <laughs> I name. I have gotten that. Great name. And one uh, guy out of the Pac 12? Nope, one more out of the Big Ten, and this is the guy who actually had the most of oh. the Power Five running backs. Oh, I don't know. Mo Ibrahim from Minnesota. Oh, from Minnesota. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. So that, there were only five running backs in the Power Five that had fifteen hundred rushing yards last year, and these were those teams' records: nine and four Minnesota, eight and five Illinois, eight and five Texas, eight and five Quinshawn Judkins, and ten and four <laughs> with uh, Deuce Vaughn with Kansas State. Now running back is not as 
I guess, important as a position as like quarterback, for instance, yeah. to determining wins and losses. But you have sure. a good quarterback. So I would say this. If we're looking at this as floor versus ceiling, the way I view that, if Devin Neal ends up running for 1,500 yards you're winning and you assume games. everybody's healthy, you're winning at least eight games, right? Yeah. I think the ceiling becomes you legitimately could be a, I mean, a, I don't know. I, I want to say nine or ten win teams. You could yeah. be a Big 12 title contender. If Devin Neal rushes for 1,500 yeah. yards. The, the issue with that is, like, you can rush and throw and do whatever, as many yards as you want. If the I think in order for KU to actually be a legit Big 12 title contender, the defense has got to take a step up pretty significantly. 100%. Well, not pretty significantly, but quite a bit. But here's here's where I think that plays into this. But again, if you're running for that much, like I said, the defense the field is probably time. not going to be on the field that much. Correct. Much. You're, you're running the clock out. It's going to help the defense. Yes. You also, at that point, if Devin Neal's rushing for you know, that much yardage, you would like, because, because Kansas is not a team that runs as many plays as an Oklahoma or a Texas Tech, if you're running for 1,500 yards, you're probably also averaging a very good like yard per carry, where you're probably the oh, most yeah. efficient rushing team in the conference, one of the most efficient rushing teams in the country, yeah, because and if, you're really efficient passing If team. we're going to assume that there's no like real injuries to the offense for this situation, and Devin Neal's going to rush for that many yards, he might be only be doing it on like averaging like 16 carries a game. Right. Right? So if you're getting 16 carries a game and you're getting 120 yards, that's a really, really good average. Yep. I don't know what it is because I'm bad at math, but I think it's probably like close to seven, eight yards a carry. Yeah. So, I mean, that 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 becomes you, but you become, I mean, you already were a really efficient offense last year running and throwing the ball. It's just that stays, if not adds to itself in what it was from last year. Um, and you look at the ability, like we've talked about this many times as part of our Jayhawk Rewinds, games where KU couldn't finish the game out, right? The KU had a touchdown lead, or the KU was leading by a small amount of points, and they had the ball on, you know, three, four, five minutes left in the game, and they couldn't run it out. And they had to give the ball back, and the defense had to make a stop. Oh, yeah. With Devin Neal's rushing for 1,500. You're, you're probably you feel feeling good, good about, about closing those games not out. Not getting a three and out or not mm-hmm. getting a situation like that. I mean, from his perspective, he if he rushes for 1,500 yards and Kansas were to be an eight or a nine, I mean, he's, ten in, the, win he's team, in the conversation for best running back in the country. He is. He's in conversation for first team All Big 12. He's in conversation for All I mean, American honestly, honors. Honestly, what other. Is he in conversation are, for Heisman honors? No. No. Are there any. It's too hard with running backs? Dude. You just listed off five running. First of all, you <laughs> not said, a single one of those. Yes, first yeah. of all, you were like only five running backs rushed fifteen hundred yards. I couldn't even guess three mm. of them. Yeah, none and of those. And none of them were even remotely yes. even close to being in the Heisman discussion. Would it be different for the uh, the Kansas Bell curve? No. In terms of like this team hasn't been good lately, and now you got good. No. Okay. There's absolutely zero. You think at that point, just like, be like, we'll just give the he, votes to Jalen well, Daniels. Unless he had like twenty five rushing touchdowns, mm-hmm. then okay, maybe. Okay. But also, I was just thinking about that. How many? It feels like a lot of the great running backs from last year are gone. Are there going to be like if Devin Neal? I mean, he might be one of only two or three guys in Power Five this year. Well, yeah, I mean, going through that list, Mo Ibrahim, uh, he's in the NFL. Chase Brown's in the NFL. Bijan Robinson, first round gone. pick. Quinshawn Judkins is back, and then Deuce Vaughn is gone. Gone. Yes. So you only have one returner from that yes. list. And now, I don't. I, I there's mean, other guys who had. I'm guessing Alabama has some five star guy probably. ready. You know, Georgia probably Georgia, has yeah. a five star guy ready, but. Are those guys going to get 1,500 yards? I don't know. Maybe not. Yeah, I don't know. So, I mean, how likely is this one? Um, Probably it's, not it's great. It's not impossible. But then again, like, if you think back to the Buffalo days for Lance Leipold and, 
Andy Kotelnicki, I guess, if you're just looking to um, was it was he ground and pound? The offensive side of the ball. Well, the, I mean, that was that was something that was much talked about. The idea that um, you know there was one year where they led the MAC in uh, rushing yards, and then there was another year they led it in passing yards. Like they were just very um, based on whatever their best personnel was. That's what they were going to do. Yeah. But like you go back to 2019, for instance, and I think this was the year they led the the league in rushing yards. Um, Jarrett Patterson had 1,800 rushing yards and 19 touchdowns. He also had 312 carries. I'm not expecting that much for Devin. Also, their backup running back. Well, that's insane. Their backup running back that year had 227 carries for 1,035 yards and eight touchdowns. Dude. Okay, how about this? I I don't want to watch that offense. Just just for the fun of this. Uh, Devin Neal has those Jarrett Patterson numbers, but it's in the Big 12, and Kansas wins 9-10 games. At that point, if you have 1,800 rushing yards, 19 touchdowns. At that point, is he Heisman contender? No. no. Still no? Not unless KU's like 11-1 and one and they win the Big 12. <laughs> it's just so hard for running backs. It's not fair. It's not <laughs> fair. Um, I mean, like I said, you got to get – you got to go 11-1, and one, win the Big 12, and have like minimum mm-hmm. 2,000 yards rushing plus like 25 yeah. touchdowns. Well, it would be easy for me because Devin Neal last year, he had 1,090 yards uh, rushing, and then you had a couple hundred more for receiving – but he had 180 carries year before he had 158. Now, I could get, rush for 1,800 yards and 19 touchdowns and be in the Heisman discussion if you have, like, 700 receiving yards. Sure. I uh, I don't know if the staff, because we go back to those numbers. Again, that's, that's over 300 carries for Jared Patterson. That's over 200 carries for yeah, the back I mean, of Kevin Marks. Devin Neal had, like, what, 180 carries? Yeah, 180. I, yeah. I don't know that this staff wants to use him as much as they use Jared Patterson. Like, maybe Jared I mean, Patterson dude, that guy had a bell double cow. the I don't carries. Know. Nearly double the carries. Right. Or is that indicative that they're fine doing that? Because it seems like based on the usage and based on what everything we've heard is that they do they would rather him only be taking like ten to twelve carries a game to keep him fresh. Yeah. But it doesn't yeah. like that's what's funny with Jared Patterson. It's like with him when he was at Buffalo, it's like, oh, we're gonna only give him twenty carries and keep well, him fresh. But okay, if you have 30. a guy like Jared Patterson and he's just that much better than literally every player you have on your I team. I guess, but but here's where I'm going with this. Is we sure like Jared Patterson? Just like from a physical, I, I don't know. Is he that much better than Devin Neal? Just from a you know athletic that, no, you're, you're skill. Looking at it from, stuff, you're right? looking at it from the wrong perspective. Okay, it's it's not about Jarrett Patterson versus Devin Neal. It's about Jarrett Patterson versus whatever else Buffalo had on their team, and Devin Neal versus whatever else KU has. Oh, KU right. has Jalen Daniels. KU has Daniel Highshock. KU has a great receiving core. KU has a, you know great tight ends. Yeah, I mean, they that's go part three, of it. four that deep team, in the running back uh, position. Their quarterback Kyle Van Trees. I guess he he. Got hurt because he had to split time. If we combine their top two quarterbacks, Kyle Van Trees, Matt Myers, they threw the ball 277 times. On average, they averaged 21 throws per game. They ran the ball 51 times per game. <laughs> this team is a lot more balanced than that because you Absolutely, have Jalen yes. Daniels. Exactly, yes. So that's what I'm saying. You're look, you were looking at it from the wrong perspective. Yeah. It shouldn't be a direct comparison of those two guys. It should be what... Does Devin Neal have on his team? What did Jarrett Patterson have on his team? Yeah. And that's why they ran him a thousand times because yeah. he was by far their best player. So, I mean, realistically, and, for him to get to 1,500 even. And it's it's very obvious with Lance Leipold and Andy Kolnicki, if they have a dude that is, like, the best player, they will let him cook. They will give him the ball, right? Jalen Daniels, for instance. Like, you'll, they're going to let him do – I mean, dude – What's Andy Kolnicki's mantra? Give me the best eleven guys and put them on the field. I don't care who they are, what position they are. Get them on the field. That's that's how they that's how they operate. And so when you have that and you have eleven really quality players like we think KU's offense has, 
there's going to be a more spreading of the wealth around. Yeah. Versus if you had one elite guy and then 10 other guys that are just there and you just give them the ball. Yeah. Well, okay, so Devin Neal averaged 6.1 yards per carry last year. For to Realistically, if we're saying how do you get to 1,500, let's say he could get that up to 6.5 yards per carry. That's, that's a very high number, but he was 6.1 last year. That would take 230 carries. That's 50 more carries than he had last year. I don't see the staff doing that. Yeah, so I, don't I don't know, know how realistic again, this is. Jalen Daniels is going to be taking carries. Right. Daniel Highshaw is going to be taking carries. However many carries, Dylan you know, McDuffie, Dylan McDuffie, Morrison, Savion Morrison, yeah. you know, even even if those guys only combine for five carries a game, that's sixty carries yes. over the course of the season that are going to, yeah. you know, somewhere else. But that also adds that if he does do it, that means that it was even more efficient and even more effective. So yeah, I, I guess for me, uh, if this does end up happening with everything else they have on the offense, the floor for me would be eight wins. The ceiling would be you could Until win the title. Big Twelve. Yep. Total title. Yep. All right, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. That is our KU Football Friday question here on a Friday. We are six weeks away from the KU-Missouri State game. You'll be able to hear yeah, that game. Every time you say that, it just I get really excited, and then I'm like, wait, six weeks, bro? What? Okay. It's ridiculous. Well, you can you can hear the game on Friday night. Um, it'll be right here on KLWN and our sister station, 105.9 KISS. And uh, cool news, we're going to be doing our pregame show once again yes. this year. We're going to be before home games out at Big Mill which is just a few blocks away from the game, giving away all sorts yep. of free goodies. I mean, honestly, I don't think we could be any closer to, like, the tailgate stuff. No. So, you know, you're on your way to the tailgate. Stop by. Say hi to us. Get a, you know, get a drink from Big Mill, whatever. They got great drinks. Mm-hmm. And then head on over to your tailgate. Boom. Yes. So uh, that'll be fun and something we're looking forward to. All right, we're going to take a timeout. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast.